Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. So like I was saying, in our society today, we are more prone to disagree than to agree. We are more prone to get into arguments on social media and, and, and you know, express our differences and express our disagreements. But what ends up happening when we participate in this kind of behavior is sadly the enemy, that is the devil of disagreement, and a non-unified spirit, they will creep into the church. They will creep into the church at an alarming rate if you and I are not living out John 17. If we are not allowing the Lord to unify us, because again, I'm not here because of any other opinions that I might have in my life. I comb my hair to the left. Anybody else comb their hair to the left? No? Man, am I the only one? Are you serious? Praise God. All right. Well, really? I'm left-handed, so maybe that's why. I don't, I don't know why I comb my hair to the left. But Matt comes. Okay, Matt. All right, thank you. Man, I felt alone for a second. I was like, Man, I am, I am a rare individual. But here's the thing. I am not here because I have likenesses in, 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 in certain things. You might drive a Chevy and I drive a Ford. None of those things matter when it comes to our belief in Christ. Amen? Those things we have to check at the door. Amen? You know what that means? That means that we set aside our differences so that when we come into this house, we are here for one thing and one thing alone, and that is to glorify Jesus. That is to come together in the name of Jesus. Amen? But I say that this, this disagreement, this ununified spirit has crept into the church at an alarming rate. It's caused divisions amongst the body of Christ that have roots that are too deep, I believe, for us to even know. But if we truly desire revival, if we truly desire an infilling of the Holy Spirit, then we must recognize, church, what has come against the body of Christ, and that is simply division. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 says this, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. We should be here for, again, the sole purpose of fulfilling whatever the Lord has commanded us. For living out and walking out the will of God. Amen. Creating disciples, teaching them to obey the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Living out the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Amen. This is why we gather. If we're gathered because you like the way I speak or you like the way somebody else speaks, listen, those things don't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm here to meet with Jesus. I'm here to learn about Jesus, and I'm here to take Jesus to the world. Amen? To take Jesus to sinners. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. A famous uh, missionary, Corey Ten Boom, said this. Be united with other Christians. Be united with other Christians. She says, a wall with loose bricks is not good. The bricks must be cemented together. How many of you have ever built something? I don't care if it was like Legos, you know. I used to have, when I was a kid, how many of you guys remember Lincoln Logs? Anybody have Lincoln Logs? Okay, I'm the only guy that had Lincoln Logs. Oh, all right, thank you, praise God. Lincoln Logs, all right. 
Man, I mean, I'm like, I'm from Idaho. I'm just like the, the odd guy in the room. I had Lincoln Logs, man. Lincoln Logs. DJ had Lincoln Logs. Praise God. Lincoln Logs were these little, awesome little sticks of wood, and you could build the little log cabin, and, and you could make little houses and barns and, and all kinds of stuff. And my dad, you know, he bought, like, tons of Lincoln Logs. Like, we had, you know, boxes of them, and we'd make all kinds of stuff. But if you misplaced a Lincoln Log or you did not build the structure right, it's going to fall. It's going to topple over. Same thing if you were a Lego lover. If you didn't have that right piece of Lego to, to fit in that place, you know, where you were trying to build and erect that little thing, it wasn't going to stand. How many of you have ever actually built, like, a wall? Any construction carpenter, carpentry? My brother here makes cabinets, so he, he's good with woodworking. I've, I've erected, you know, like a shed, and I've made small buildings, and I've, I've done things like that. And, and trust me, if you do not get the first board right, you're going to have issues the whole way up. If you don't set the first board on the foundation properly, you might think, oh, yeah, that looks good, and, and start nailing and stapling into that thing to continue to erect something. Listen, if it's not set from the get-go, if the foundation is off, if the first board is off, the whole structure is off. Everything after that is off. A unified spirit in Christ is something that the Lord himself, church, in John 17, Jesus himself, he prays for the unity of the church. He knows that the enemy is going to come to attack and create divisions amongst the body of Christ. And so this is his final prayer. This is, this is like the last days that he is living out and he is praying that we would be unified in the spirit. He's praying that we would come together once again for one purpose and one purpose alone. Did you know, church, that God cannot dwell amongst division? He cannot dwell amongst division. He can only abide in unity. I want us to look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version on this particular uh, verse tonight. It might look a little different on this screen. Let's, let's read the Acts 1 and 14 tonight. It says, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, let me read this version in the King James. It says, They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. I'm going to read that one more time. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, as we look at that verse, I want us to notice this King James translation. It mentions the apostles were together in one accord. Amen? Not the Honda. Not the Honda accord. In one accord in the spirit. And so, again, something that I kind of glossed over on Sunday, I failed to mention, was not only were they in the right place, not only were they praying, but they were in agreement in their purpose of prayer. How many of you have ever prayed with, with another individual, amen? And they're praying, and, they, and then all of a sudden they get into this prayer, and they're, they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and then they pray something that you're kind of like, hmm, <laughs> what did he just pray for and all of a sudden, there's a disagreement right there in the spirit. They could be praying that, that you know, God's going to make them a millionaire. And you're going, hmm, no, we should be humble. We shouldn't have millions. 
And there's a disagreement in that moment. Listen, the apostles, those who were in the upper room, they were in one accord. They prayed for a single thing. What was that purpose? They prayed to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nobody else had another agenda. Nothing else was important. There was no extra prayers for this. You know, Peter wasn't like, you know, I would love a name tag, you know, to walk around. I'm the Apostle Peter so people could recognize me. Nobody had another agenda except that to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is my honor to remind you tonight that we must be in one accord. It is my privilege to remind you tonight of the importance of being in one accord. This word is translated meaning the same mind. You can write these things down, it's important. Having, being in one accord means the same mind or spirit, a oneness of mind and heart, and it means to be one in spirit and in purpose. So again, the believers, all 120 of them in the upper room were in the same spirit and of the same mind. And so that we fully understand this, the idea is that they were after the same thing, which was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Their goal was to meet the spirit of their living God. They were focusing all of their, their energy and their mind. They were concentrating their thoughts upon seeking God for the promise of his spirit. Now, if your desire is to be filled up completely, Amen. To be filled up uh, in the Lord in your personal life and as a church that we need to agree to get to one accord. We need to have agreement to be in one accord, one mind and purpose as to why we are here. Matthew chapter 18, you know this verse and verse 19 says this. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask for. Whoa, that's powerful. What does he say? If two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. That is powerful, church. That is incredibly powerful. Verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Remember I said just a moment ago, the Lord doesn't abide in division. He abides in a place of one accord. If I could tell you what I saw on Sunday, I saw the church in one accord. I was like, oh my Lord. People all across the sanctuary, all over the altar, all, all around this room praying. And I heard testimonies of, of, of things that were happening that the people were praying like they hadn't prayed before. That's what it looks like to be in one accord. That's what it looks like, church. And guess what? When we operate as the body, because a body can't move in different directions at once. If my leg tries to go that way and the other leg tries to go this way, bad things are going to happen. But when there is a unified focus in the body of Christ, church, you can ask for anything and it will be done. You can ask for anything and it would be done for you by the Father in heaven. The power of agreement, church, assures that the Lord will be with us. The power of agreement assures that God is with us. If this becomes the prayer of his people in the last days, then I believe that God will have no reservation in holding back his spirit to those who ask of him. 
If this becomes your prayer that you have gathered here tonight, it's not like, oh, it's just Wednesday. No, no, no. You are here because you're focused on the Lord. Joel 2 and 28 says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. John 7 and 37 says this, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Now, I love this verse because this is exactly what happened to me the, the moment that I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever uh, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? That is, you, you spoke in tongues. Raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I remember I had gotten saved when I was 15 years old, and it was a period of... Uh, uh, almost three years after I had given my heart to the Lord, I was baptized two years after, baptized in water two years after I had said yes to Christ. And then the third year, you know, I had, I had, I had seen others in the church and, and people around me, you know, they would speak in tongues and they had uh, the, this gift of speaking in tongues and they, they knew the Lord in this different way. And I remember it, be, it became a prayer of mine. I said, Lord, I would, I would love to experience you. Lord, in, in, in a greater measure. And so it became a part of my prayer life where I would ask the Lord, i say, Lord, pour out on me, Lord, in a new way. Pour out in me in, 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 a, in a greater way. And I'll never forget, you know, I, I've always kind of been, uh, I don't know uh, why the Lord does this to me, but he tends to single me out uh, in, in awkward situations. And we had an evangelist come to our church to, to minister and he was doing a, like, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday revival thing. And we finished our, our time of worship, and I, I was playing the drums at that time, and we finished playing, uh, you know, worship, and I'm walking off the altar, and, and the worship team is walking off the altar, and he approaches the altar, and he's about ready to minister the gospel. And, and as I'm walking off the altar, he, he calls me out, and he says, young man, and, you know, I'm kind of like, <laughs> huh, me? And I'm like an 18-year-old kid at the time, and, and he, he singles me out, and he's like, come here. Well, the first thing I think is like, oh, man, this guy is about to shame me in front of the entire church. He's about to let everybody know all the, all the sinful things that I've done. God's about to just, you know, you know, bring all kinds of condemnation into my life. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm like, and he tells me to walk up to the altar in front of the entire church. It was a packed house on a Wednesday. Go figure, right? That used to happen. Amen? How many of y'all have been to a packed house church on, on a Wednesday night? Yeah, we need to pray for that once again as well. But we get there, and I walk up to the altar. This man's staring at me. He said, the Lord told me to tell you that you've been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I instantly knew right then and there that, that God was about to do something in my life. And he told me to close my eyes and he said, just, just picture the Lord. Just focus on Jesus. And so as I closed my eyes, I remember that we used to have a picture of Jesus in our house. 
Again, I didn't really grow up in a Christian home or anything like that, but for some reason there was a picture of Jesus in our house. And that was the only image of Jesus that I kind of had in my mind. And so that was just the image of Jesus that I could see. And I remember I began to focus on him. And this verse, John 7, 38, came alive in my life. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And that's exactly what happened. It was almost like a, you know, a bubbling in my, you know, I say a bubbling in my spirit because I I don't know how else to describe it. But I just, streams of living water began to flow from my life and I began to speak in heavenly tongues. Church, when we earnestly desire the things of God, the Lord will not hold back. What did we read on, on Sunday? He pours water on thirsty land. If your life has been dry, if your life has been lifeless, if your, if your walk with him has not been, you know, uh, fulfilling, if I could use that term, then get hungry for him. Amen? Thirst after him. Desire him because he will pour out into your life. Let's read verse 39. It says, by this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who had believed in him were later to receive. It says, up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. See, but because Jesus has ascended and tonight his precious Holy Spirit is here and available for us. But I have to ask the question tonight, are you thirsty for him? Are you thirsty for him? Are you hungering after the Lord? Amen. Then I want us to identify a few things that foster a unified culture. This is important for us to understand. Number one is this, is staying connected to the body of believers. Staying connected to the body of believers will help foster a unified culture. D.L. Moody said this, he says, Church attendance is as vital to a disciple... As a transfusion of rich, healthy blood is to a sick man. I'll read it one more time. Church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood is to a sick man. Acts 2 and 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Do you see the importance of gathering? Amen. Those that weren't at that place missed out. Those that weren't amongst the assembly, they completely missed out on what happened on the day of Pentecost. But for those who were there, for those who were in the right place at the right time, they did not miss out on anything that the Lord wanted to do in their life. You know, the connectivity has been, you know, uh, it's more available in today's society than it ever has been before. Praise God for technology, amen? Praise God that you you can call somebody across the world and see their face. Who would have ever thought that? I'm sure, uh, who's the telephone guy? Alexander Graham Bell. You know, I don't think Alexander Graham Bell would have ever thought that somebody could see somebody else through a thing that had no wires. But look where we are. Look how awesome it is that we actually have the ability to communicate through pictures and videos. We can send a message across the world in seconds, and yet our society as of late is more divided than ever. Sadly, I say that it is trickled into the church, causing people in ministries to be divided instead of united. 
But in the book of Acts, we notice here that because they were unified and they were together, they were now qualified to receive the promised Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Because they were unified and they were together, they were now qualified to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to just gather and get on the same page and wait on the Lord and tarry and wait for the gifts that he has promised. We need to do that more again, church. We need to do that more again. We, 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 we shouldn't just come with our own agenda or our own focus saying, Lord, I'm here to just get whatever it is that, that I can get from you. But no, Lord, I am here, Lord, for one purpose, and that is to meet with you, Lord. And it's in that place, church, it's in that uh, unified environment that the Holy Spirit will pour over his people. I'm speaking to mature people in here tonight, amen? All right. Then let's tear down the walls of our division. Amen? Let's tear down the things that separate us. Let's not allow backbiting and gossip. Anybody ever heard any gossip? <laughs> if you've heard it the next time that somebody shares it with you, tell them to shut up. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Tell them to stop. It's poison. It's poison. It is poison. It will divide you. It will put up walls and it will allow the enemy to erect separation and division in your life because you have simply listened to a false accusation of your brother and sister in Christ. We have to get back to the place, church, where we are not tolerating anything that the enemy wants to do in our midst. Amen? I preached a sermon one time years ago, and maybe I'll bring it back, but it was called A Fungus Among Us. Sometimes there is those things that we are not as, how do I say it, we're more accepting of, or we go, oh, really? They said this? Oh, really? They said that? And we treat it as if it's not sin. And we treat it somehow as if it's not painting the heart of God that you think a certain way about an individual that did absolutely nothing to you. Amen? We have to stop the backbiting. We have to stop the gossip because it, it will sway you from the goal of meeting Christ. But rather we need to keep coming together with the purpose of joining for him. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If you have any comfort from his love, how many of you are encouraged because you're in Jesus? Amen? How many of you are, are encouraged you because you've received the comfort of the love of Jesus? Amen? How many of you have been comforted by the Lord? That's a powerful thing. It says, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and in purpose. Paul's like, listen, you know what's going to make me happy as, as, as Pastor Paul of the church of Philippi? That if you have tasted of the goodness of God, if you have tasted of, of his comfort, of his love, of, from his Holy Spirit, if you have had fellowship with him, listen to me. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love of God, being one in spirit and in purpose. 
In other words, if the Lord has lifted you up, if he has changed your life, if he has given you a purpose, hope, and love, then please God by being of the same mindset. Put on the mind of Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. What else fosters a unified culture? Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. It's pulling teeth sometimes to get people here twice a week. It's pulling teeth sometimes to get people here three times a week, four times a week. For some people, it's just, oh, that's too much. You know, I got life, I got work, I got all this. But what else fosters a unified culture? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I want to pull out just a a little bit of, of something from these verses. First of all, you can't encourage somebody apart. It's not the same. It's not the same when I'm able to look into the wide of your eyes and and speak encouragement into your life. It's not the same when you're, you you know, not in with arm's reach where you cannot embrace somebody when they need to be comforted. Amen? I know and I thank God for, for social media. I thank God for our camera guys. Why don't you thank God for these guys? These guys have opened a, a window into the church to allow the world to see. It's a powerful thing. It really is. It really is. But it's not the same when you're watching online that it is when you're here. I've met with countless people. They say, Pastor, it's not the same. I met with a woman right after church. I, I saw a sister from our church, Sister Mejia. I saw her at, at uh, Sam's. I had to pick up an order of food from for my, for my house right after church on Sunday. And I, and I was there and we, we pulled up and we were like in the same parking space, like right next to each other. And we looked and we're like, hey, you know, it's sister. Hey, how are you doing? And we said hi. And she just started crying immediately. She said, I watched the service online. Oh, my God, I watched the service online, but I wanted to be there so bad. It's not the same, Pastor. She said, it's not the same. It's just not the same. There's the, the comfort. It's not the same. The peace, it's not the same. This is why the scripture tells us that we have to meet together. This is why this is important, to break bread together with each other. Listen, I encourage you this week, make a phone call to a brother or sister in Christ that you haven't sat down with in a long time. Or maybe you've never sat down with them. I encourage you to do this. Sit down with them. Go have coffee. Go have fellowship. Go to each other's home. Whatever it is, make time just to sit down with somebody and say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you in the Lord? It is a life-giving tool when you go out of your way to fellowship with somebody. It really is, church. Amen? It's important. But one of the other things that I want to pull from these verses, it says they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I believe it's important for you and I to stay sincere with one another. You see, we don't talk about that often enough, but it's important for you and I to stay sincere with one another. Jesus is calling us to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's sincerity. There's nothing false about that. And amongst the body of believers, amongst the body of Christ, it's important for us to be sincere with one another. 
When somebody says, how are you doing? Be honest. Be honest. You could have just gotten in, a, in, a, in, a, in an argument with a, with a close friend or, a, or your spouse. You could, have, you could be going through something at work. And sometimes we're just too passive. In church, we say, ah, I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And we call that faith, but actually that's false. It's okay to express the fact that you are dealing with something and you are going through something because guess what? The Bible says with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God, we should comfort others also. Amen? And you never know that if you actually open your mouth to share in sincerity with your brother and sister in Christ and say, brother, actually, I need prayer. What's going on, brother? Right then and there, God will use that individual that you are standing in front of to speak a blessing and to pray into your life, church. But it's important that we're sincere with one another. It's okay to say, hey, you know what? I am struggling in my relationship with God. I pray, pastor, and maybe it's like I don't hear his voice anymore. That's okay. Let's talk about that. There's, heaven has a solution for every problem that you will ever face on earth. But if we're false about it and we lie to each other about it and we don't open our hearts and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine. Then God's not given access into that area and that place in your life that he needs to have access to. Have you lost sincerity with one another in the body? Think about that tonight. Have you lost the closeness and intimacy with one another in the body of Christ? What I am saying is if there are things that you are holding on to because of offense and we're not being true in our worship, then no one can be forgiven unless they first forgive each other. You see, sometimes you will walk past a brother and sister in Christ that maybe offended you or maybe said something or maybe you thought they said something, whatever the case. And you just sweep it under the rug and you pretend as if things are okay. It's not okay. We have to forgive one another once again in the body of Christ. You have to lay down your pride and say, brother, if I offended you, I am sorry. If I did or said or, or whatever it was, I, we have to have that humility in the body of Christ again, church. Jesus in his last breaths upon the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. We have to express forgiveness towards one another because no one's sins can be forgiven unless we have first forgiven each other. It is a sin to not be sincere. We need honesty and love amongst the body of Christ once again. Amen. We need the ability to be able to share our struggles, our sins, our joy, our triumph with one another. And those around us need to mean it. But listen, I have to say this as a word of caution, as a word of warning. Not everybody is able to share your burdens. You need to know who it is that you're speaking with. If you know you're talking to the church gossip, amen, and hopefully you don't know who they are. <laughs> but if you know you're talking to the church gossip, then don't share the most intimate things of your life. Amen? That would just be foolish. You're just walking into a trap. 
But if you know you're speaking to a woman of God, if you know you're speaking to a man of God, somebody that is trustworthy, somebody that has a good testimony, somebody that has the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life, then listen, you can go forward and you can say, hey, listen, this is something that I am going through in my life. Amen. That is what being sincere is about. It says they joined together, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Romans chapter 12 and verse, uh, verse 9 says this. It says, love must be, what? Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. I've seen a lot of people on, on social media, a lot of Christians and Oh, I love everybody. Then somebody cuts them off in the expressway, and they're all like, you know, I love you too, brother. No, no, you don't. Love must be sincere. Be real about it. Be real about it. Don't be fake. Be real about it. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. I'll say it one more time. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. The Lord gives you permission to hate evil. Not your brother and sister, not the family, not the accuser. He says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 1 Peter 1 and 22 says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers... Then love one another deeply from the heart. Amen. God desires so much, church, that our sincerity towards one another, uh, that, that the reward in doing so would be a culture filled with freedom in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why the need to be closer to Christ on a daily basis? The answer is simple. It's to become more like him. We have to become more like Jesus. It's not enough to put the name badge of Jesus on if you're not living like him. It's not enough. If you remember in the Bible, there was this horrible disease and it was called leprosy. And the lepers, the people that had leprosy, they couldn't change their spots. They couldn't change this, the condition of their skin. This is who they were. They were considered unclean by the community physically and spiritually. They could not approach within six feet of any person, including family members. Leviticus chapter 13 talks about this. It says that their clothes shall be rent, their heads shall be bare, and they shall put a covering upon their upper lip, and they shall cry, unclean, unclean. The lepers in this time, they were judged to be dead, the living dead. They had to wear a black garment so that they could be recognized as from among the dead. They were banished as outcasts. They were totally ostracized from society, earthly and heavenly. All the days wherein the plague shall be in them and they shall be defiled. They are unclean, Leviticus chapter 13 says. They could not live within the city walls, uh, uh, in the, within the walls of any city. And their dwelling had to be outside of the city gates. They were thought to be polluted, incurable by any means whatsoever. And leprosy could be cured by God, but by God's power alone. And so I want us to imagine just for a second being a leper. Having this, this heartbreak, this, this, this anguish, being completely ostracized and cut off from society, be completely cut off from friends and family. Imagine the emotional and the mental pain that came with having this disease. 
Now, I want us to think for a moment and remember, church, that you, everyone, give me your attention for a second. You are a full-fledged sinner. Every single one of us is an enemy of God. We were born into sin. Amen? Every single one of us. We were completely outcast from the kingdom of God. We were never to enter into the city of God. You began your eternity in this life and in this world as an uncleansed sinner. As an uncleansed sinner. That is, you would not be able to have a close family member ever again. As a sinner, you are the living dead. As a sinner, without Christ, we are in the valley of dry bones. As a sinner, we are thought to be forever incurable. And I have to remind us tonight, church, that there's something that's really, really important that we could be missing. Is it sometimes that we think that we're just there? We've arrived. And that all these principles and all this, the word is what it is teaching us is, is, is simply something for somebody else to do and not for us to apply to our life. I need to remind you of yours and mine desperate need for Christ. Desperate need for Christ. Desperate need to, to be transformed and changed into his likeness on a daily basis, church. We need him desperately. Desperately. With urgency in your heart and urgency in your life. Because like I said before, I will say it again. You have been bought with the highest price. The life of Jesus, the blood of Jesus spilled upon the cross for you and I. And we need Jesus all the more. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? And I want us to never forget, church, that we have to understand that the last time I checked that we haven't changed from being sinners, but we are now transformed into a new creation. Just because you're a new creation doesn't mean that you haven't sinned because it's happened. We all understand this and we all know this. But this should remind us, church, that the work is not finished within us. The work is still not yet done and complete in your life. There are still things that God is working on in your life. There are things that are still changing in your life. There's areas that need transformation. And we need to be filled with the power of God. We need to be filled with the power of God daily. Because when the Lord comes into your heart, he flushes out the old self. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained all of this. This is Paul speaking. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What's the goal? Salvation. The salvation, the ultimate salvation of your souls. Paul is using terms that you would use in competition and you would use in, in you know, things like that. He's saying, I'm pressing on towards the prize. We get competitive about so many things in this life and in this world. I pray that we would actually get competitive about the things of God. In the most humble way possible. 
but that you would desire to have more zeal. You would desire to have more of the gifts of the Spirit. You would desire to have more of the things of God in your life on a daily basis. Paul was saying, I am a work in progress. I am a work in progress, and the only way that I will be able to take a hold of Jesus forever is by continuing to press towards him. Paul was even saying that he needed even more of Christ. He needed more of Christ in his life. Don't be like those church that say they live for Christ and never show it. But be a real life transformed example of him. The Bible calls us living testimonies, living stones. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Amen. If you think just for a moment about the death of Jesus and about what it is that he did for you, church, it should stir your heart and stir your life into, into just being in awe of how the Son of God could love us in the condition that he found us. They could continue to love us even after we made promises that we didn't fulfill. Even after we said, oh, Lord, I'm going to do everything I can, Lord, to, to live this way for you. And he still loves you. And he still will not take back his blood from you. He still will not take back anything from you. But he freely gave his life upon a cross. A humiliating death of his day. A torturous death for your life. That he would be beaten and bruised. That he would have his beard tugged out. That he would have his hair removed. That he would be spit on, flogged, whipped. For your life. If you think about what he did for us. About how he gave his life freely. So that what? So that the life of Jesus could be revealed in our body. So that when someone speaks to you, you don't retaliate. So that when somebody wants, to, wants you to live in unforgiveness and bitterness towards them, you still love them through it all. So that when an enemy puts a target on your life, you still pray for them. Oh, man. See, that's what it looks like to live for Jesus. That's what it looks like to live for the Lord so that his life may be revealed in your body. It says, verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in your mortal body. Verse 12, so then death is at work within us, but life is at work in you. See, the leper could not fake their disease. He had it. He knew what he had, and sinners can't deny their need for a Savior. We need him. Amen. Amen. We need him, church. Matthew 9 and 12 says this. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, make every effort. Everybody say every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Amen. As I ask you to stand to your feet tonight. 
I want us to pray. If we were a finished work church, then the work of the cross would have been done in vain. Think about that just for a second. If you were a finished work, then the work of Jesus on the cross would have been done in vain. But rather the words of Jesus should teach us tonight that Christ desires to pour of himself into your life in a greater measure. Amen. Love must be sincere. You must be gathered here in one accord. Amen. You must be gathered here for Jesus and for Jesus alone. Every single division, every single opinion that we have, every single thing that, that you know, is, is creeping into the church for, for whatever reason the enemy wants to use it for, we need to check those things out of our hearts and we need to check those things at the door so that we can see the kingdom of God continue to rest in this place and move amongst us in a powerful way. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.